Hey guys, what is up? Happy Friday. Today I am talking to my good friend Charlie Kirk of Turning Point USA. He just got a new podcast that you guys should go subscribe to. He, of course, travels the country all the time talking about conservative values. And we are going to talk about uh, conservatism and what it looks like for us to be kind of on the front lines of that, especially him and how we relate to these younger generations that seem to not really know what conservatism is or why they should buy into it and why that work is really important. So we're going to get into all of that. Uh, before we do, I do want to just give you guys an update for those of you who follow me on Instagram. I feel like I always have to like follow up on these Instagram stories because a lot of you who listen to my podcast also follow me on Insta- also follow me on Instagram. I feel like there's like the biggest crossover there probably. Um, so I did this long story about mean trolls. You guys know, for those of you who didn't see, I had a bunch of mean trolls on Facebook saying really rude stuff to me about being pregnant, my parents and things like that. They were all men, probably over the age of 40. I'm not going to speculate about how purposeful their lives are. I'm guessing that if you're taking the time in the middle of the day to comment on a Facebook video of a pregnant woman to tell her that she's gained weight, that you probably like don't have a ton, a ton of purpose in life. And I, you know, I hope that changes for them. I hope that they have a heart change and I hope that they become better, more productive uh, citizens of this country. I truly do. I hope that they come to know Jesus Christ. We're supposed to pray for our enemies and that is my hope for them. However, of course, all of this really hurt my feelings. There were really cruel things that people uh, were saying for some, I've never understood trolls. I've never understood, even if you have a mean thought, coming across your mind about someone that you see on the internet, why, what would possibly possess you to take the time to comment on that or to uh, tweet something about that? Like, I understand if you disagree, that's totally fine. I have commenters disagree with me all the time, or I have commenters criticize something petty about me. Uh, You know, my voice, girls are always going to be scrutinized for their appearance. But if you're pregnant in the public eye and you have gained weight, which every pregnant woman does, some people gain a little weight, some people gain a lot of weight. Um, it's odd to me that someone would go so far as to comment on that and not just comment on it, but be really, really rude about it, be really mean about it. So it just it just really amazed me, the depths of people's meanness and what they're willing to say to someone. Anyway, this kind of stuff really doesn't usually bother me. It really, really doesn't. I block people who are just, you know, needless trolls and I move on and it's no big deal because I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I know who made me. Um, I've always been a fairly self-assured person, at least on the things that I should be self-assured about. And I have a husband who loves me. I have a supportive family. I am healthy in my pregnancy. My baby girl is healthy. I have so much to be thankful for. And these people are really just petty. But for whatever reason, maybe it was stress. I was trying to finish the first draft of my book. Uh, Maybe it's pregnancy hormones. Maybe it's all of the above. But it really did bother me. It really got me down. I even cried about it, which never happens for Facebook comments. But um, I just posted on Instagram about how these were, this was one of the situations for me in which I had to test what I talk about a lot. That, okay, in those moments, in those moments of kind of like self-loathing, of insecurity, 
Where do you turn? Is it inside yourself? Do you tell yourself, no, you're perfect and beautiful and awesome? Do you tell yourself, no, you're enough? Do you tell yourself to love yourself more? Do you tell yourself to just be more confident? And not every single one of the things that I listed is bad, but the fact of the matter is they're insufficient. They're just insufficient. And so what I had to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is not a pat on the back at all, what I had to do was just remind myself of who God is, who he says he is, how faithful he is, and the grand scheme and the big picture of things in light of eternity and what he did for me on the cross that I don't have to be defined by people's criticism or by their praise, even as something as silly as this. I'm not trying to equate this to some like big season of suffering or something, the fact that I got a few mean Facebook comments. But um, it, it does take sometimes when your insecurities are called out and your feelings are really hurt for you to step back and to think about the gospel um, as crazy maybe Maybe as that sounds, or maybe it sounds like I'm being dramatic, but really that's the reminder of the love that we have, of the purpose that we have, of the bigger picture that we as Christians have to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and who God is. It's not really about who I am, although it's awesome. I think it's awesome that I'm growing a child. I think it's awesome that I've written a book during my pregnancy. I think it's awesome that I've kept working. Like, I do think that those things are great. I'm okay with saying that, but that's not where my comfort and identity comes from. It comes from who God is, his faithfulness, the fact that he made me, um, the fact that he uh, sent his son to die for me. All of those give me the perspective that I need in the face of criticism, even in the face of pain, in the face of much bigger struggle than what I'm talking about now. And so I just want that to be a reminder for you guys. I never talk about that. I really don't talk about insecurities that much. Like I, I, I don't talk about mean people on the internet. I don't want it to seem like I feel bad for myself because I don't, I don't feel bad for me. I really don't. People go through a lot harder than I do. But, but um, I, I did just want to let you guys know that yeah, I do struggle with that just like everyone else does. And I don't have it all together and I'm not always just able to brush off the criticism and move on. Sometimes it really weighs me down. Sometimes I lay in bed at night and think about something me and someone said. And sometimes I cry like I did the other day. Uh, but thank you for all of your kind messages. I got hundreds probably of kind messages from you guys on Instagram, sharing me your stories, sharing with me uh, your insecurities, and also just giving me encouragement. Thank you so much. I, I didn't have a chance to respond to probably even a third of them, but I tried to read all of them and just know that that means a lot to me. I love you guys and I love the community that we've built that we can share share with each other and be vulnerable with one another and really help each other in those times by pointing each other to who we are in Christ and who God is and building one another up in that way. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Now, before we start with Charlie, I do I have news. I have um, an update on the baby's realm. You know, that I'm pregnant. <laughs> if you didn't know that, uh, you probably should have picked up on it by now in the conversation, but our baby is due at the end of June. And so we've just kind of started on her nursery. My husband put together the crib. We uh, also had to put a day bed in there because it's also going to be our guest room. And so Bolster Sleep, awesome company, 
amazing company that makes these amazing sleep products. Also, every time you purchase something that helps people in Haiti as well, um, they sent me a twin mattress for our day bed and we finally opened it and put it on there. It is so comfortable. It's so comfortable. So if ever we have guests in there, if we, uh, for some reason, like I have to sleep in there, my husband has to sleep in there to be next to our daughter. Um, it's going to be perfect. We don't have to just kind of slum it on a terrible mattress and get a bad night's sleep with our back hurting the next day. No, this is so comfortable. It's perfectly firm as well as a balance of soft. It's got a nice pillow top on there, but it doesn't have too much give to where you feel like all of your bones are like crushed together. It is so comfortable. It's also made out of this material called Tincel and that keeps you cool all the time. That's all of their products are made out of Tincel. So including their pillow, which you guys know that my husband and I love, it's literally helped me sleep so much better. Everything stays cool. That's important for me because I my, I swear my temperature is, my body temperature is like 15 degrees higher than it was before I was pregnant. I am hot all of the time, especially when I uh, am sleeping at night. And so the Tencel really helps keep me cool. I promise you guys are not going to regret this. Go to bolstersleep.com. If you want to get a mattress, if you want to get a pillow, it will be worth it because good sleep is worth it. It affects every area of your life. Go to bolstersleep.com. Use promo code Allie. That is A-L-L-I-E. A-L-L-I-E. I want you guys to remember how to spell my name. It is not with a Y. A-L-L-I-E. 12% off your purchase with that promo code. This is something that you are going to be happy that you did, a purchase that's actually worth it. Okay, now I am going to bring in my friend, Charlie Kirk. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Big fan of the your podcast, so thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, okay, tell everyone, well, I'm sure most people listening right now know exactly who you are and what you do, but tell everyone a little bit about your background, turning point, how you started this whole thing that is now a massive movement. Well, thank you. I mean, I, um, I started Turning Point USA when I was 18 years old. Um, I had no connections, no money and no idea what I was doing, but I had this kind of crazy idea that uh, young people could be uh, conservative and that we needed to do more, um, that our generation didn't have to kind of fall in this radical leftist direction. Um, the great irony is I never went to college and um, to start a college movement, which is kind of in the fun kind yeah. of twisted. And um, yeah, it's just grown now to 1400 high school and college campuses. Yeah. We have amazing team, tons of spirit, lots of energy, and um, just like really, on, honestly, just really blessed and super thankful and lucky yeah. to have been able to have the success we've been able to have. So, so you were 18 when you started it. How old are you now? I'm 25 now. 25. So, so it's been about seven years. Could you have yeah. imagined that it would grow this much and really this quickly relative to how long it typically takes these kinds of organizations to grow? No, I, I didn't even know things could grow to be this big. You right. know, like, meaning like I was just so um, naive. I didn't not naive is not the wrong word. I was just I didn't, you didn't was, know. Yeah, I wasn't worldly. Like I didn't know how organizations worked or budgets or staff or employees. But what's so beautiful about our country and what I'm fighting for is a kid with a dream can still succeed. And that's that's a uniquely American concept. It really is. Yeah. That you, ha you have a vision and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to take a risk. But large in part, if you if you have this good idea and you work really, really hard, you can show progress over a couple of years. 
And yeah. that's a beautiful thing about our country that, you know, we're, you and I are both working to preserve and protect because not every country has that kind of guarantee where a young person can take a risk and then succeed. Yeah. Were you raised conservative? Mostly. Yeah. I mean, I was raised center, right? I was raised with really conservative values, but they never use the word conservative. And yeah. that's like a real, I think a lot of people have this kind of upbringing where yeah. my dad would always just talk about how great of a country America is. My mom raised me as a Christian, but they'd vote Republican. Don't get me wrong, but it was, wasn't, it wasn't part of their, our conversation. It wasn't like, now here's why you have to be a conservative. It was just, Charlie, you need to realize how great of a country we live in. Yeah. And those are all naturally conservative things now. Now, of course, my parents, like many other people, I think have become more involved in politics as our country has become more in jeopardy, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I, they're much more likely to say that they're conservatives today than they were 10 years ago. Um, but I think I think if even for any parents listening to this or, you know, new parents like, you know, to soon be parents like yourself, just teach the values, just yeah. teach the yeah. ideas. Forget about the political labels. Talk about American exceptionalism and faith and reverence and all these things. Yeah. And that will make such a bigger difference in someone's upbringing than just like, oh, this side is good and this side is bad. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is these are conservative, almost partisan values nowadays. It used to be that patriotism and thinking of these things like America first and America is the greatest country in the world. A lot of people thought that on both sides of the aisle, but now it seems like that's almost strictly a conservative idea. And I really yep. have, yeah, I really have the the same story. My parents never really talked about being a Republican. I knew that they were, I knew that we liked George W. Bush. I knew after 9-11, we really revered him and, and all of this stuff, but they were entrepreneurs. They came from nothing. They always told me, you can do anything that you want to do. Kind of like what your parents told you, it sounds like. And that just always appealed to me. It never made sense that you would want bureaucrats controlling your life or that you would want a limit or a cap on your success. And I think that's what I want to communicate to young people is that is a huge part of what conservatism is. And young people do like freedom and flexibility and independence. So why do you think there has been among so many people around our age, I'm a little older than you, why do you think that they can't connect the values of freedom and independence and flexibility, the things that they really yeah. like with conservatism? Well, I think, first of all, there's a massive misinformation campaign against conservatives yeah. starting for, you know, in the education system and media. But Ali, I'm going to kind of just say a lot of students, I think they want to change the world. I think they want to do what's right. A lot yeah. of students, I think most students do, at least the ones in politics and the ones on the left, they've been told the best way that they can change the world is by giving government all this power and giving government all this authority over everyone and, you know, other people's lives. And First of all, that's just not true, but it's also just not logical when you think about it. And it's also not correct in the sense that if you – the best way to improve anything is to first improve yourself, is to act more ethically, act more honestly, do the correct things. I fall short of this. Everyone does, right? Yeah. We as Christians believe you're always going to fall short of it. But you also believe you can be a better person over time. And if you do that, you'll actually make the world a better place. But it's so easy, Ali, it's so easy to sell utopianism to a generation that doesn't know any different, but also wants to change the world. And so like, I, I'm careful not to do this whole like, oh, our generation is so stupid type thing. I don't yeah. think that does and does any good. Yeah. I think these students are misinformed, but that's different. 
I think a lot of students mean well. I think they really think they're on the right side of history when they're arguing for socialism or they found some like new idea. Well, it's not, you didn't find anything. First yeah. Of all. Not yeah. any sort of, you know, you didn't discover plutonium. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, but if I can connect with them, I say, listen, you want to make the world a better place. Believe it or not, I actually want to make the world a better place too. So they, they attack my emotives immediately, right? I'm a horrible person. I want polluting. I want billionaires running around with machine guns yeah. in gay communities and they yeah. only go to private schools, you know, like all these like ridiculous stereotypes, yeah. right? And they only, they fly, they fly private jets to work, right? whatever, right? Some crazy thing. Yeah. Listen, I actually, the first thing that's most important to me is the matrix of maximizing human freedom while also ensuring that our natural rights are protected while also having some sort of compromise that the least of these are taken care of in some form of equitable, right. charitable way, whether that be charity, churches, government, fine. So that's the first thing, right? But I want to be able to help people without having to sacrifice human freedom. Yeah. That's a really, that conversation is one that Republicans and Democrats used to be able to have while both respecting the country. Yeah. Now I feel as if you can't have a conversation about healthcare until it, unless it descends into, oh, this is a horrible country, like with yeah. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. How dare we not have this as a country? Right. We're a horrible place. Well, hold on. You, you can have this conversation logically and ethically without having to say that this whole place has been a mistake. Have we made mistakes? Yes. Is America a mistake? No. And, and so anyway, Ali, to put it long and short, students, they're, they're the prime audience for utopian values because they want to believe in them. They really do. And what, I mean, you're 19, you have very little responsibility. You want to lean in. You want to say, yes, we can change the world. Uh, yeah, start with yourself, but it's not that simple. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the government's job to do that. I think that there is, like you said, not just a desire to change the world and utopianism for themselves, but to give millennials the benefit of the doubt. I mean, a lot of times we are, and younger generation, I guess Generation Z is in college now, we're often talked about as selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. And I do think that's true in a, in a large way. We've all been raised with personal technology. Every prized possession that we have starts with the letter I. We are all kind of focused on ourselves and how we present ourselves on the internet. But I also think that a characteristic of young people is empathy, that they truly do care about people that are different than them. They don't want people to be ostracized. They want people to be taken care of. And so they hear these grand ideas from someone like Bernie Sanders. So like, you know, the very blanket statement, well, I believe that everyone should have enough, everyone working 40 hours a week should have enough dignity to live or to have enough to live on. You hear that and you're like, well, I don't want to argue with that. Like, I don't, I don't want to say that someone who works at McDonald's doesn't have enough dignity. But like you said, that's a bad faith argument. Um, and so what I'm hearing is that when you approach these students, you try to kind of go in and say, here's what we agree on. Like, here's the baseline, whether you believe it or not. We both want people to be taken care of in a way. We both want people to succeed in a way. We both want to make the world a better place. But look, we just have different strategies to get there. So let's have a conversation about what's better. Do you think that that has been effective or have you received a bunch of pushback or both? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it's definitely become it's becoming very effective. And I yeah. never attack students' motives or anything like that. Right. I am critical of some Democrat leaders' motives because I don't think they actually yeah. want people to get off of food stamps. That's different, right? But when I talk to students, I'm like, listen, 
what 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 no matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, Marxist or libertarian, you should think it's a good thing. In fact, you should think it's a great thing that five million people are no longer on food stamps. Yeah. And they're now getting jobs. That's a huge success. Like right now, let's just talk about that success story of the Trump presidency, because under Obama, there is nothing but food stamp increase. It almost yeah. never went back. All of a sudden under Trump, five million people no longer have to look to government. They can now provide for themselves and their family without government. Amazing thing. Why do I talk about that? This is self-reliance. There's more dignity in that, yeah. right? So we talk about the dignity of work, right? Like Bernie Sanders, I want everyone to have dignity. Well, of course I do. I mean, yes, of course I want dignity. I, like, I mean, yeah. yeah, is the insinuation I don't or something? It's yeah. like, are you trying to use it as like a wedge issue? It's kind of saying like, I want everyone to they live do. forever. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So they use these things as if yeah. and they, they, they position them as if the opposition doesn't want dignity. Right. Like, OK, but you know what my idea of dignity is, is maximizing the workers freedom, maximizing yeah. their capacity to get a raise, to keep all their money, to be able to provide for their family. So it, that's dignity to me is the sovereignty of the individual. And it's by the way, this is, this is what's really interesting is you cannot have both liberty. You cannot have both liberty and assuredness. You can't. So let's use this extreme example, right? And Bernie Sanders loves talking about prisoners to vote. It's like one of the stupidest things. And I could break yeah. that down to you if you want. It's so beyond. It's, and, and I could, it's so silly. <laughs> but so if, 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 in the most extreme example, if you want to just be taken care of, isn't that's what prison is, right? You think about it in a really extreme example, get three meals a day, you you have a house, you have a, you have a place to sleep, you have a shower, but there's no freedom, right? There's really no freedom because people want to get out, right? right? So that's the extreme example. I'm not saying that's what the left wants. Media matters. If you're watching this, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say the other extreme example is liberty. You can yeah. do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. But what does liberty take? It takes responsibility. Why do the people, why are people in prison? Because they didn't take responsibility. They made a mistake, right? So the, you know, Bernie and all these people were the freedom people were all this. Well, you could say that, but you also have to tell the audience. And this is this is like being brutally true in politics and no one wants to be brutally true in politics. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you liberty. But if you screw up, you got to take you got to take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And everyone's going to kind of clap like, wait a second. I have to do what? Yeah. Like I have to wake up earlier. Yeah. I have to, you know, you yeah. see what I'm saying? But here's the thing is. And this is why we as conservatives are always going to be punching up alley. Always. This is why talk radio is so successful. This is why your podcast works because it takes effort to explain conservative values. Yeah. They are thought. natural. They are embedded, but it takes maturity. It takes work because it's so much easier to sell everything with no responsibility. Yeah. I, by the way, I wish my job was to go to college campuses and say free education, student loan debt, climate change renewal. My job would be so easy. I'd be done in 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I'm the, the long and short of it is this takes explanation. It takes theory. It takes observation, it takes maturity, but it also demonstrates we're on the right side of history to use a Ben Shapiro quote who we love or to use the right side of the argument. Yeah. And I don't think that's talked about enough. Yeah. I, I, always say that it's so much easier to be a progressive millennial or a progressive Gen Zer than it is to be a conservative millennial. Not because, like you said, the ideas are complicated. They are very natural and I think embedded in, in 
the human spirit, but because they are being indoctrinated by every megaphone that's out there, by their professors, by social media, by the mainstream media, by all of these outlets. And so we are swimming upstream. We are like the voices in the wilderness saying, hang on just one second. Hang on a second. I have something to say to that. And if anyone wants to listen to me, great. But we have to kind of put our voices out there knowing that we're going to be criticized and lambasted by the mainstream and hope that there are some people out there who are thinking, wait, I'm I'm listening to this progressive stuff too and I, I'm not so sure that it's right. Like I'm not, I'm not so sure that I'm on board with, you know, with abortion. I'm not so sure that I'm on board with socialism. And so they start listening to people like you, like Candace, like me, like Ben, and they say, okay, someone please make sense of this for me and give me another alternative. And they hear it. And the hope is anyway, that they're like, oh, okay. Okay. That makes more sense now, now. but you're right, right. In that it is difficult because what you're presenting to them is not a guarantee. You're presenting to them risk. And, you know, it's yeah. it's difficult. It's, it's just like selling any kind of investment. It's like, OK, there's a huge there's a risk in this. There's a big risk in this. But the reward is so much greater than collectivism, so much greater. And convincing someone of that without any kind of guarantee is difficult. And, and so here's a couple thought exercises. You're totally right. Ellie. It's difficult and it takes effort and it takes a mature society. And so what I tell people is for any benefit that you want to receive from the government, be ready to be ready to pay for the equivalent of it at any time. Right. So, okay. I want free education. Okay. What does that cost? Uh, I don't know. It's free. No, it's not. Whatever it is. $21,000 a year. Be ready to write that check because you might have to. Well, no, that's not how it works. No, sure. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Don't try to make other people pay for what you think is a good idea. By the way, most times you will end up paying for it. That's actually the data shows that. Right. Is that the, I, the people that advocate for these free handouts actually end up paying for it. Right. They actually end up, you know, they, they end up having to carry that burden. And you said it, you said it best is there is risk in this, but there's also fulfillment. And this is what really upsets me is that these students are like, well, I just want to live a happy life and get taken care of. And they don't say it that, you know, flippantly some do, Yeah. you know, like, well, hold on a second. You just, your idea of happiness is just getting a bunch of stuff from the government. Yeah. Like I'm sure you had like dreams, right? I mean, you must do, want to do something in your life. You might want to start a business, start a family, travel. I say you maximize freedom to the greatest extent you can without encroaching on other people's rights, right? And still protecting the least of these in a very compromised, you know, in a, in a, in a position yeah. that we can come to a consensus with, right? So where it's a safety net, not a hammock. Right. Not anarchist people, right. whatever gets crazy idea, <laughs> but maximizing freedom, right? Then at that moment, you will have a more functioning, productive, healthy society. And this is hard. It's just, it's just not easy because as soon as there's some sort of, some form of, dis, not dysfunction, but you have some form of irregularity, people immediately say, oh, the government should fix that. Yeah. You know, the government should do this. The government should come in and have, you know, free education or bail out the banks. And it's so tempting to turn to government to try to fix all these problems. When in reality, government's actually the root cause of most of them. Um, yeah. and so look, this message that you and I are bringing to young people is resonating. It's going to take more effort. And this is why the work we're doing at turning point USA, you know, is so important. And you chairing our young women's leadership summit, anyone listening to this should come to our young women's leadership summit in early June, tpusa.com slash YWLS. 
And um, I just started my new podcast, which is so much fun. I love it. I love. Yeah, wait. Tell every, tell everyone about your about your podcast, where they can find it, what it's called, all that. What you'll be doing, how long how long it is, all that. Yeah, it's going to be every, once a week, um, kind of just like a culture war update from the front lines. Is it every Wednesday. Campuses. Every Wednesday. Every, yeah, every Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. They can go to Apple Podcasts and or iTunes. Just type in uh, Charlie Kirk Show. Hit subscribe. Five star rating. Um, if you want. Yes, top and, charts. Uh, it's it's already it's already soared in the charts, which is amazing. That tells you that the first episode was awesome. Everyone needs to go listen to you. it. Yeah, we're we're really happy. Um, we're gonna have a live show next week in Phoenix. If anyone's interested to come by, um, kind of as a cool second episode. Um, and look, we're just we're gonna see if I'm good at it and all that sort of stuff. I think I'm gonna really enjoy it. I love long form. Your podcast is amazing. It's a top hundred podcast in the world. Um, from the charts I've seen, which is awesome. And I think our generation is looking for this kind of longer form or intellectual, deeper defense of these ideas. Yeah, I think they're looking for nuance. And I think a lot of people don't realize they might only see you in a in a 30 second clip to where you're just destroying a stupid argument from someone on the left or they see you on Fox. You're everywhere doing all of these things. But I think they maybe don't know how much work you put into this and how long you've been studying this stuff, how much you really know about all this. There's a million things that I could talk to you about socialism, Venezuela, all of that, but you'll just have to come back and we'll have another conversation. But everyone who does, I'm sure everyone who listens to this already follows you. You've got, I think a million followers on it on Twitter, a million. Yep. That's freaking crazy. That's crazy. Well, thank you so much for taking the time Thanks. to join me. Um, everyone go to tpusa.com slash YWLS, correct? Yes. If you everyone are a female be between ages 18 and 27. That's right. Correct. And we will, we're going to work on some kind of, I've gotten a lot of messages from young moms in their 30s saying, hey, we, we want something for us. And so we'll have to think about that. Thank you so much, Allie, for having me. This is great. Thank you. I'll see you soon. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Charlie. There were so many other things that I wanted to talk to him about. I mean, the guy, well, he just speaks well, first of all, but he also knows a lot. He just knows a lot. He knows a lot of facts. He's been doing a lot of reading on capitalism and socialism and American exceptionalism for a really long time. So he's just a good resource on all of this. If you go on social media and you look at the clips in which he is engaging with these students, it's really incredible how he's able to just kind of recall these facts uh, so quickly. But um, I just really appreciate the work that he is doing for conservatism and how long he's been in this fight at such a young age. It's really crazy. I wanted to talk to him about Venezuela and socialism and everything that's going on there. And I also wanted to bring up the assault on the dignity of work. That's a reason why we're having such uh, a hard time, I think, reasoning with people like AOC and Bernie Sanders is because they don't believe there is an inherent dignity in someone working. They think it is just as dignified for someone to live on the, off the government and, you know, watercolor paint all day, even though no one is buying their pieces. Like that's what they think is just as dignified as someone working hard and providing for their family. And so when you don't have the same idea of the dignity of work, that there is inherent dignity in work, then that that's difficult. And part of that is because uh, the left has become so secular. They have become so not everyone on the left, but in general, the left has become secular. The left has, um, abandon this idea of the centrality of God, the centrality of uh, 
morality, of biblical morality. And the Bible is what tells us that one, personal property is a thing. The 10th commandment is do not covet. And also uh, that work is good. Work existed before the fall of man. It existed before sin. So work is inherently good. It is what uh, part of what the human spirit runs on is productivity. And so when there's an assault on that, there's an assault on the individual, there's an assault on the dignity of human beings um, as image bearers of God and as God created us to be. So that's it. That's all I have to say about that. There's so much more. There's so much more that I could say and I could talk to Charlie about that forever. But if you want to meet uh, either of us, you and you are uh, a woman between the ages of 18 and 27, I'm right on the cutoff. I am 27. Make sure you come to YWLS. It is in Dallas, Texas. I am the chairwoman. So I will be there as long as I don't give birth because I'll be 37 weeks pregnant at that point. As long as I don't give birth, I will be there making sure that you have a great time. And I would, of course, love to meet you. Uh, okay, that's all I have for today and all I have for this week. Love you guys. I will see you back here on Monday. 